Welcome to the 16th episode of the Public Circle Podcast. My name is Adam Olson. I'm the member of the British Columbia Legislative Assembly for Saanich North in the Islands. If this is your first episode, welcome. If you've listened to past episodes of the Public Circle Podcast, then welcome back. In this episode, I connect with North Saanich Councillor Patricia Pearson. Patricia is more than just a counselor, though. She works in sales at Level Ground Coffee Company uh, in Keating. She's also on the board chair of the Fair Trade Federation here in North America. She's a mom of a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and as well, she has a small business, Hansel & Helkit, which upcycles abandoned furniture from the side of the road. Uh, Patricia was elected in uh, this spring after a by-election was needed to be called in the District of North Saanich. She's now been around the council table for uh, just a few meetings, but we have a good discussion about all of the aspects of her life, uh, from being a small business owner, a mother in politics, working for a fair trade organization as an advocate for fair trade uh, business practices across North America. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Public Circle Podcast with Patricia Pearson. Patricia Pearson, welcome to the Public Circle Podcast. Uh, maybe we can start by you introducing yourself. Who is Patricia Pearson and what do you do? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, Patricia Pearson, I am a North Saanich counselor. I am... It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> it does, actually. Um, best place to live in the world. I am a mother of a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Emma. I work for Level Ground Trading, which is a local fair trade coffee company, and I am the board chair of the Fair Trade Federation, of which Level Ground is a member. And I have a home-based business called Hansel and Helkit, uh, refinishing vintage furniture and home decor. You were looking at my list. <laughs> I know. What have I forgotten? <laughs> this is your life. This is not... <laughs> Your life by my list, no. I usually so, have hats on the wall, and then I look at the hats and remember which one I'm wearing. Figure out which hat is yeah. <laughs> it has to go on next? Exactly. <laughs> well, let's see if we can make it through all of those various <laughs> uh, aspects of the spectrum of your life. Um, but let's start with Level Ground, because this is a, a company that I've known for a long time. I know Stacy for a long time. Um kicked around Brentwood Bay for you know and just in in the community uh, but as well it was one of the first businesses that I went to as part of a tour of industry with the Sandwich Peninsula Chamber of Commerce and I've been continuing that so maybe talk about mm. the role that you have uh, at Level Ground. Mm -hmm. Well actually let's sure. start let's go back one what is yeah. Level Ground? Yeah, so Level Ground is a fair trade coffee. Well, we started off as a fair trade coffee company and we've grown to many other products. Uh, so we purchase coffee, tea, dried fruits, and other uh, agricultural products from small scale farmers in nine developing countries. And then we market them in North America. We roast the coffee at our facility in Brentwood Bay, and we now have a lovely coffee shop that you can come and have a cup of coffee. Um, and then we sell our packaged products to retailers, uh, cafes, schools, etc. across North America. Fair trade is really um, trying to, I guess, turn the corner and, and, and change that relationship between the producer and the consumer. Exactly. Yeah, so Level Ground was started by four local families. Um, 
all of which are still involved in some aspect. So Stacy and Lori sort of had the idea of a more um, a fair uh, economic system, and they met Ugo and Tracy Ciro. Ugo is from Colombia, so he grew up in the coffee-growing region, and I'm told that when they met, he had coffee beans basically scattered all throughout his living room and was looking for a way to sell the coffee on behalf of the farmers, and so that's how the partnership came about. Um, and they first started roasting coffee in Ugo's garage <laughs> uh, overnight. Anyways, but um, yeah, so it's really about that relationship, as you said. So we talk about direct fair trade. And what that means is there's no middleman. It's us talking to farmers, understanding what it is like to grow coffee and other products, what challenges they face, what opportunities they face, what are the true costs of um, growing the product. That's the challenge with coffee and other agricultural products there. Um, traded on the stock exchange and the price that's paid often has enough very little to do with the actual cost of growing it has to do with world supply weather patterns etc so this relationship is really about understanding um, what it takes to grow coffee and what the true cost is and um, having that sort of fair playing ground I guess let's transition from talking about level ground well actually Let's talk about the Fair Trade Federation mm-hmm. before we completely leave. So talk sure. about the, the Fair, what, what, is it? what is it, what does it do? Mm-hmm. We have an idea, but. Sure. Yeah, so the Fair Trade Federation is a membership organization. So we verify companies that, to say that everything that they do follows our fair trade principles. So unlike some certification programs that, Uh, certify a product we're looking at entire companies and so when they come to us um, they have to go through this really rigorous application process whereby we look at their financials we look at we talk to the producers that they're working with to see how they're interacting and what the structure is Um, and so basically we're verifying that everything that they do follows these fair trade principles so that they're um have democratic processes and decision-making processes, that there are no children involved in, in what they're doing. That's tricky because we do encourage children learning their um, culture and heritage of, growing, of making things, but um, uh, that they have good working conditions, etc. So we have these principles. Um, so it's really interesting because these are sort of the cream of the crop, I would say, the... Um, the companies that really this is at the heart of everything that they do. Um, and so we're about 255 members, I think, right now. So these are businesses that are based in North America working with producers worldwide, um, of which Level Ground is one of those. So Interesting. And so you've been on the board? Yeah, I've been on the board for four years now. So, yeah, we're looking at ways to expand fair trade. So expand the businesses that are our members. How do we um, provide them with the resources that they need to grow, but also bring on new businesses as well and just encourages encourage businesses who are um, interested in ethical and responsible trade, um, help them to show them how to do that and be profitable. I'm now going to transition <laughs> from that to your new job sure. or to new addition to your life, which is being elected as a councillor in North Saanich mm-hmm. in the recent by-election. 
Congratulations. Thank you. What is, what is your impression of the job so far? It's really interesting. Um, no two days, as you will know, are the same. Um, constantly learning about new topics, and um, it's just great to see people, residents in our community, very passionate about things and get to share that with them and try and help them along the way to find the solutions that they need. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and I really like that sort of full circle. You know, I've gone from a really globally focused fair trade life, bringing that global and local perspective back, which is really nice. Have you been appointed to any committees yet? I have. What What is your What are your appointments? I am on the uh, school board liaison, um, the literacy commu- committee, and the climate action. Climate action has a really long name, but the uh, regional climate action committee, which I'm super excited about. So is that That's a CRD? For me. Yeah. That's a CRD one. Yeah. I I um, got elected with a group, and we all got oriented and moved together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a situation here, I think, where the council's out four or five months ahead of you through orientation. There was there was two, but one new councillor mm-hmm. kind of brought into the mix. Yeah. Councillor Smith, I think. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> um, so you're kind of getting put into the middle of this, at the front end of a, of a council term, granted, but still midstream. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, all of the budgeting and strategic planning has happened already, um, which is a lot of work. But unfortunately, you know, it's challenging now. You've kind of come up the other side. So you're just going with the flow sort of thing. But, um, yeah, all of that orientation has happened and some of the local government um, conferences and things that happen. I have missed, unfortunately. So, yeah, the there's there's good and bad, but <laughs> I get to make it on my own, I suppose. Make it what I. <laughs> but I got a big binder and all kinds of books to read. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ever thought that you didn't do enough reading before, you, yeah. I mean, the the agendas, they're a bit deceiving because a lot of them yeah. are reports that you will have read from previous agendas that have you know, that kind of follow a project through the life of the project, all of the paperwork follows it along the way. So, yeah. you know, you go pick up an agenda and there'll be a hundred or several hundred pages and you're like, oh my. And then you'll realize, oh no, there's, I've already read a lot of the reports that are in here. There's yeah. new additions, but it might be one page out of 10, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the advantage of having just campaigned is that I did read a lot of those things to prepare for the campaign and to get up to date and be able to have conversations with people about issues that were uh, top of mind. So I did have, I guess that was an orientation in itself, the campaign process. So that's nice. But well, it was a crash course in politics. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, did, what was your, what was the central focus of your campaign for people who, who weren't out in North Sandwich? Like what was your, what was your key a point that you wanted to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So definitely climate change, climate action. Um, living in such a uh, pristine, beautiful place that's full of green space and the ocean surrounds us. Um, that's really important to me that we uh, start making some targets and putting some action towards those targets. I think that's something that's been lacking in our community. 
So climate change and agriculture. I would like to see us growing more food uh, locally and also eating more food that is produced locally, um, which has come up recently on uh, the agenda from the CRD, who is looking at uh, Farmlands Trust. So that's been really interesting. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was an <laughs> idea that was being kicked around when I was on council, a, a Farmlands Acquisition Trust Fund, uh, similar to what they do with uh, similar to what they do with the Regional Housing Trust Fund, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think it was, that's what was being proposed back then. I don't know what what it is now, but. Um, for the regional housing trust fund, I think it's like twenty dollars per door, twenty dollars per house in the capital region is collected, and then it gets reinvested back into making affordable housing projects more affordable, basically. And there was a suggestion that maybe a farmland acquisition trust fund, with a similar goal of protecting, creating space for people to farm in a in a in an environment, an economic environment where agricultural land is exceptionally expensive mm-hmm. to make a farm business go is very difficult yeah yeah so that's the idea with this is to bring together properties within the greater victoria area in the peninsula um and try to match that land with new or existing farmers who currently can't access it um and the cost per household is uh as the plan stands right now, is about $2 per house to be able to do that and put in the infrastructure on the land that's needed to to grow food. And on the Saanich Peninsula and the southern Gulf Islands in my riding, agriculture is one of the economic opportunities. It's also one of the ways that we contribute to the rest of the region. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that we hold a lot of the agricultural capacity, production mm-hmm. capacity. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the Agricultural Land Reserve's done a pretty good job of protecting that land. It's now the business of farming that I think is the biggest challenge that we have to find a way to overcome and, and perhaps some kind of a um, uh, some kind of a fund that can acquire the land because land cost is, has been the biggest you know barrier to getting more yeah. agricultural production going. Yeah, yeah, but as you say, it's only the beginning. We have to then figure out. How do we market and sell the products that are will be produced on this land? How do we ensure that farmers have access to processing if they need to, to expand the lifespan of the food or, you know, to make sure that our local food economy is ready to accept and sell this product as well? That's the other side of the challenge. The supermarket is, in, in some respects, the biggest challenge to local agriculture because yeah. you're, the local producers are... are are competing against producers from elsewhere that can provide a product twenty, you know, basically twenty four and seven, three sixty five. Although that's mm-hmm. becoming more tenuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, a North Saanich farmer is competing in the local supermarket with a California farmer or uh, a supplier that can supply a zucchini all year round, mm-hmm. whereas that's not necessarily available to the local farmer. So yeah. You know, it's in fits and starts, or it's seasonal here. Yes. We need to get back to seasonal eating, probably. Yes. Yes, we do. 
Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, Take neither that of us, on. <laughs> neither of us have a solution for it, so the conversation just kind of ended there. <laughs> okay, so one final thing as we get to the end here, um, and I don't want to gloss over um, the fact that you're... Uh, actually, there's two things, because I, I do want to hit on the fact that you're a parent and in mm. local government. One of the things that we talk about quite often, because when I got elected, I had a one-year-old son, and then we had Ella, who's now seven, so she's, she knows nothing other than a, her dad's been in politics. But um, the impact that our children have on the decisions that are being made, I used to bring my kid to, I used to bring Silas to meetings with me. And I could see the impact that he was having on the meeting mm-hmm. as, you know, some of the more senior members around the table kind of are watching him and talking about how they have to think about the long term, right? So just having parents around the table is is a really, really important, an important uh, uh, aspect of governance that I think has been missing, Yeah. frankly. Yes. And so uh, may- maybe just if you have anything to add to that, but I just want to acknowledge the fact that more and more, there's more and more younger faces, more and more parents of young children around the tables regionally here. What kind of impact do you think that has? I think it has a huge impact. I mean, it was part of the reason why I got involved in politics is, as you said, to kind of have that longer term thinking. It's not just about me anymore. It's about my kids, about their kids. Um, And especially in North Saanich, I think it's so important because that voice has been missing at the table for quite a long time. Um, Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I was having a conversation with Brett Smith this morning, the other new counselor, and he said, you know, I think we're both going to ha- we're going to have some issues around certain issues like farming, for example. He's a long term farmer. And um, and I actually think that we both want the same things, but we just come at it from really different perspectives. So, you know, he's been in farming for a long time. He's feeling really frustrated about the whole situation. Um, he's very pragmatic. Um, and then I think as a young mother, I kind of bring that optimism of like, well, we have to do something. We have to do some, try something different. Maybe it's not all going to work. And I understand that everything that I suggest is not going to work, but, um, kind of balancing out that perspective of we have to have hope because we need to have hope for our kids and, and we need to, we need to do things. I think that's the other thing is that, um, just bringing that energy and willingness to try new things to the table. But yeah, it's it's interesting when I bring Emma, you know, everybody, it kind of lightens the mood, I think, a little bit because people have to go back into play mode and, you know, answer her silly questions about what are you doing and what's this? And I think it just reminds us all of why we're here and what we're doing and that it's not just about us. Our culture's weird in the sense that Kids are generally not mm-hmm. welcome places. Yeah. They're a in, distraction. Yeah. yeah. I, and I remember when I first brought Silas, the, the reason why I brought Silas to my first meeting was because I didn't, my babysitter <laughs> crashed out on me, right? Yeah. So, Necessity. Yeah. So I said, okay, fine. So I threw a bunch of toys into a bag and some snacks. And I said, you're coming with me, kid. And uh, off we go, right? And he's one and a half, two. He's just a mini little dude, right? And uh, and they thought, you know, when I first walked in the door with them, I could just see their faces like, what kind of presumptuous person is this that thinks that they can bring this child 
to this very important business meeting that we're about to have, right? Like so self-important. And, uh, and I looked around the table and I went up to the chair. I said, we're well over quorum. So that's not an issue. If Silas becomes disruptive, then I'm going to take him out and you you're, can just continue with the meeting. Okay. She was like fine with it. She was fine with that. It was, it was weird, but she was fine with it. Well, he ended up like a rock star, just hanging out underneath the table, eating his, eating his treats and reading his book, and just sitting there and, you know, eating <laughs> carrots and, and, and playing with toys. And, and I was like, oh, this kid's got a disposition that can, he can handle this. So I, I eventually just stopped booking childcare and just started bringing him to all the meetings with me. And, you know, we go to the library meeting. And what are we talking about at the library if we're not talking about providing mm-hmm. places for, you know, people, our kids, you yeah. know, to for literacy and, and uh, you know, understanding the world better. So, yeah. you know, and eventually I could see that he was having a, a pretty remarkable impact on the outcomes of the things that we are debating. That's awesome. But you you brought up a point around... Processing, and this is a really important piece because till now, basically every farmer—or not till now, but up till now—every mm-hmm. farmer is responsible for their own processing, mm-hmm. and that—that's not a model that that has had any success at all. So yeah, it's not efficient. It's one that perhaps we'll be having meetings with your full council and talking about further about some some opportunities that the province has because I think they've recognized it. The the food hubs are a way to try to create a space for local producers to then process to extend the shelf life of their products. Yep. And I'm hoping well, that North Saanich will be a, uh, active active in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen this full circle through Fairtrade Coffee. I mean, we're working with farmers who are super remote, um, often have no access to a processing unit for their coffee. So they're processing it themselves. And you talk about consistency. Well, when everybody's processing things differently, there's no consistency. Um, and that's a challenge for consumers here in North America, especially coffee drinkers who want to make sure that cup of coffee tastes the same every day so better (laughs) it's really hard to tell them well sorry so and so fermented it a little bit too long this time so yeah I've seen the the incredible impact that it can have to have that opportunity to process things together we all learn about um, the importance of the processing and how that impacts the end product and makes it more amenable for our consumers it's amazing what mcdonald's has done eh where they, where they they promise you <laughs> the same burger the same burger no matter where you go yeah like that's a benefit to society and then what do we do in order to get everybody the same burger the, yeah. like the, the systems that we break in order to make that yeah. the, so that then our expectations are set so unreasonably high <laughs> that we've got a you know yeah it's it's a it's fascinating anyway. mm-hmm one final piece, because this is a piece that I think probably you're going to end up having a conversation with Emily, my wife, about after, and when you mentioned it, that you refinished furniture. And I mentioned that, you know, just yesterday we were driving by something on the side of the road that could very well be in our I driveway. I can't believe I missed it. Could very well be in our driveway when I get home from, <laughs> from work today. But talk about your, your, what is it, Hansel and... Hansel and Helkett. Hansel So and it's uh, my good friend Ashley and I, those are our maiden names. And we chose that because both of us 
had parents who were very passionate about antiques and old things. And actually, it's pretty funny because my dad was, I would, I would say he was a hoarder. You could barely walk through his home. Uh, there was a little path created. And so I was a self-proclaimed minimalist growing up. <laughs> and here I am now picking up things side of the road and going to garage sales and all these kinds of things. But I think it kind of ties into that environmental movement too, is just trying to reuse the things that we already have. And for the most part, things that were built 50 to 100 years ago were built far better than they are today. So it's fun to uh, give those sturdy pieces a new life and, yeah, pick up junk off the side of the road. There is a, there is a theme to the, the conversation that we're having today for sure, which yeah. is, you know, whether it be small or small batch or local or, um, uh, yeah, the reuse. These are all things I think that are kind of creeping back into our culture mm-hmm. that um, the expectation as those, the expectations were set high but now we've got the situation where I think people are realizing that it's not all that it has been sold to us yeah. as I mean there's there is nothing better than an old rocking chair mm-hmm. I guess a real rocking chair yeah or your grandmother's china like how cool yeah. is it to eat off your grandmother's china I don't know well, my grandmother never had China, but I can tell you there was the... Clatter, the, I don't know. The Snoblin family had these plates that were, it was, they were huge. And I, and I just remember she, when she cooked a family dinner, all of, the, all of the older cousins would use these plates and they would just, the, the pile of food that was on them. But my sister has those plates now. That's awesome. So it is very cool to eat off yeah. Grandma Phil's plates because they're still there. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to, uh, I mean, we covered a lot of ground about who Patricia is, but is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or point out or anything that we missed? Hmm. Any way to summarize it? (laughs) Any way to summarize? Yeah, I think you'd summarize it really well. It's just, it's kind of a a lifestyle, I think, about... um, about relationships. So, you know, it's global, it's local, it's knowing who's producing your food. It's um, painting furniture for my neighbor kind of thing. So I think it's just all about relationships and connections. And that's where I see my, that's what I love to do is to bring people together and connect those dots and to share the stories. Um, it's funny when I applied for level ground I, for a sales position, I said to the, the sales manager, I've never sold anything in my life, but I believe in what you do and I can share the story. So I see my role more as a storyteller and, and as a connector. So I guess that's the theme of my life. Thank you for coming and hanging out with me. And I look forward to hanging out with you over the next little while and seeing you at meetings and things as we fix the world. Look forward to it. Or whatever. (laughs) Connect dots. Yeah, connect dots. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that conversation with North Saanich Councillor Patricia Pearson. It's uh, one of the shorter conversations that I've had uh, in recent weeks. I tend to think that Patricia and I will be getting back together again and continuing the conversation. We have a lot of shared interests, including global warming, climate change, and how we can create more resilient communities we can look after each other here at home and then as well at the provincial and federal level. Look forward to continuing to talk to Patricia about her local business interests and as well 
uh, business on a more global, continental and global basis as well as with her work with the Fair Trade Federation. If you'd like to get a hold of Patricia, you can. Her contact information is in the show content notes, uh, either on the blog post or right attached with this podcast. Uh, you can also connect with her through northsanich.ca, the website for the District of North Saanich, and you can search her uh, on Facebook as well. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can email me at adam.olson.mla at leg.bc.ca. You can call my constituency office at 250-655-5600, and you can check out my blog, adamolsonmla.ca. I blog daily, and I invite you to check those blog posts out. Subscribe uh, to my daily blog post, subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast, uh, help contribute to promoting uh, this content, this work, uh, by liking and sharing and all the various ways that you can listen to podcasts, whether it be iTunes or Spotify, however you listen to podcasts, please leave comments and rate the podcast. It'd be really great to help promote it. So I think that's it this week. Oh, actually, I should say uh, you can visit my office. We're located at 215-2506 Beacon Avenue in beautiful Sydney-by-the-Sea. We're in the Landmark Building uh, on the second floor right near uh, this right near the beautiful Salish Sea. So I invite you to come in and check out my office. We're open 10 to 4 Monday through Friday. So that's it for this week. I have a few more podcasts already recorded. They'll be released in the coming weeks. Until then, just like to say, as I always do, goodbye and in Sanchothan, Hayekwa.